I just want to jump in here with a quick note about some changes that are happening. This podcast is now going ad-supported. What that means is I will be releasing select episodes from the hundreds of episodes I have archived now on Patreon and releasing them here. A lot of these were recorded a couple of years ago during 2020 especially. However, I have gone through them and deemed that the parenting information was still really relevant. So just be aware that some of these releases may be out of order chronologically. Also, if you would like to listen to the podcast ad-free, you can still join Patreon. I'll still be releasing podcasts there with a few bonuses. One is that it will be ad-free. One will be that you get the podcast slightly earlier than everybody else. And I'll also be doing a bonus episode every month with a Q&A that's patron specific. So if that's something you'd like to do, you can join for a dollar a month and we'll see you there. Thanks, guys. Hey, I'm Jamie Glowacki and you are listening to Oh Crap, I Love My Toddler, But Holy Fuck. This is a podcast for conscious parents who drop the F-bomb a lot. Hey, hey, welcome, welcome. So today I want to talk about a few things that are sort of in the zone of how do I help my child become more? How do I help my child become more independent, more brave, more able to take risks, more in charge of themselves, finding more confidence, being more sure of themselves? So I'm often asked some flavor of this question. So first off, please, please, please remember that childhood is a long time. And right now we're in this really weird zone in parenting of like checking off these boxes like, oh, I did this for my child. So they're all set. Yeah. Like I made them brave. Okay, good. We're done. <laughs> and I know that sounds silly when I articulate it that, like that, but that's what I'm hearing from parents. It's like almost like you have this checklist for creating the perfect child. And as soon as you check off, okay, they're confident. Great. I'm all set. And that's not how it works. And I know you know that logically, but we need to get that into your, your body and in your psyche and in your heart and in your head. <laughs> I think of it almost as taffy. I live in New England and I've seen saltwater taffy being made. So I don't know if you've ever seen that, but it's it's kind of worth Googling. I'm sure it's on YouTube. But when you pull taffy, you pull it in one direction and then you pull it in the next direction. Then you come together and you mush it up again. And then you pull it in another direction and you pull it in this direction. And then you mush it up and you bunch it up again. And to me, that's childhood, right? It's not linear. It's not like X, Y, Z. I'll do X, Y, Z. I check off the box. They're independent. Okay, I can move on to the next thing. Yeah? You never ever teach something once or twice and it's done. It's this like pulling of your child, pulling of their their brain power, pulling of their their, uh, physical capabilities, their mental capabilities, their academic capabilities, their emotional capabilities. So we're constantly pulling them in these directions or stretching. Yeah, not pulling like forcefully, but stretching. And that's how I, I tend to think of it. And I really, I like the metaphor because I feel like we're just in this, we're caught in this really linear thinking about childhood. I get it all the time. And it, I, in a previous podcast, I mentioned this dad thinking that a strict toddler bedtimes would lead to an inflexible adult. And I can appreciate the, the, the thought that goes into that. But like, guys, think of, do you remember being three? 
think of how different you are, right? Like what we are at three, four, five, what we are at 11, 12, 13, what we are at 20 is very rarely what we are now. We're constantly moving and shifting and growing, yeah? And so these are the years of sowing seeds and building a foundation, right? And I find that, you know, when we want our kids to be more confident, brave, independent, risk-taking. I find this is a little tricky too, because I feel like ages make a big difference, right? Like you're under six crowd. Sometimes your kid is just going to need you to freaking tie his shoes. Your kid's going to need you to help them get dressed. And I've talked about this before. I've talked about it in the stop, drop, and roll days where it's like your kid is just they just can't do it. They just can't be independent today when they're a toddler. And that's okay. So you don't have to push these things constantly. But as your kid gets older, you do have to push it because at some point there's going to be a tipping point. Like if your kid's 12 and you're doing everything for them, dude, come on now, they're stepping into a whole nother zone where they're going to be young adults and they have to learn these things, right? So I find that's a question too, is like parents will ask me, you know, like, okay, we're working, you know, he's three and a half and we're working on dressing himself. And like today he had a meltdown and I dug in my heels and, and he's got to do this. He's got to learn this. And I'm like, okay, it's okay when they're little that we like lean into some of the hard days. And of course that's going to be something you learn and understand about your own child. It's kind of not anything I could tell you, but you know, there are days when you just have to help. (laughs) And I find like it's those, you know, the basis of all my work is from Kim John Payne's zero to six govern, six to 12 garden, 12 to 18 guide. And I do feel like these age groups matter because you're sowing the seeds in the zero to six, right? You're building that foundation and you're sowing the seeds. You might not even see them grow. Like really, it might be like the hardest plant you've ever planted, right? And you're like, when the fuck do I get to see, you know, it breaks soil and you may not see that for a long time. And so that's where parents think like what they're doing isn't any good or that it's useless or, or that they have to dig in their heels, right? Again, at six to 12, yeah, this is when you do have to start to push it, right? You want your child to be capable and you want them to need you less. And then that 12 to 18, for sure, you guys, these kids should be able to function without you. And holy crap, you look back at the literature. Oh, golly, what? Well, I can't even think of the name of the book. My Side of the Mountain, I think it is. Kids 12. And he like runs away from home and he goes and lives in the Appalachian Mountains and survives for like a year on his own. And it's fiction, but that was fiction like years ago, not, you know, maybe 50 years ago. The book, the book's old. I don't remember exactly when it was printed, but it's so funny that like we wouldn't even dream of that now. You know what I mean? So you definitely want, you want to push it in that older age. And of course, I know your kids aren't there yet, but as always, it's we're talking about in your kid's age range, we're talking about sowing the seeds, right? And if you think about it, All of this really boils down to needing you less. So let's dive into that because I feel like it's the very first aspect of your child being more independent, being brave, being able to handle risk, being more confident because at the core, this is about needing you less. And you have to look at that. Are you ready for that? Which most of us say, as parents, right? Most of us say, we 
really want them. Can this child get up out of my ass? Can it, when is this child going to do for themselves? But then we turn around and we do the opposite. And there's this inner conflict because so many parents identify themselves as parents now. Our kids are locked into our identity. And so you doing more for your kid, it makes you feel like more of a parent, more of a mom, a good mom. It's a very weird thing. So you have to check in. This happens so much in potty training. And I actually mentioned it in my potty training book is like, you got to come to terms with this isn't your baby anymore. Your kid can handle their own bodily functions. That opens up a whole new door of autonomy. And it's really funny because I get feedback and parents like, oh my God, it's so true. It's like, I'm not ready to give up that part. My baby needing me, needing me to change his diaper. So it's a weird paradox within us, right? It's like, yeah, we want them. We want them to be more independent and yet we're not really ready. And that goes into that whole like making childhood precious thing that that I think we all need to get a better handle on. Remember the point of childhood is not making it a separate magical thing. It's to give your child the foundation to be a well-adjusted functioning adult, right? And that starts right by sowing the seeds early on. And I jokingly say this, like your continuous thought from the minute your kid is born, it should be, when will this kid be ready to move out? When can I get this kid out of my house? And of course I say that jokingly, but a really good mantra would be, how can I get my child to do for themselves? What can my child do without me? And that's going to put you on this path. Without me is the crux right here. Never before has parenting, especially motherhood, been so completely overwhelming. Yeah, sure. There are lots of components to this. I talk about it constantly, right? We definitely live in a different age where there's more going on for moms that get like super stressed out, right? There's boundary issues. Females tend to have worse boundaries than men. We have all these things that I'm constantly railing on, but really what it comes down to is we do too much for our kids. We do too much for our kids. Why? Why? We as parents, and this goes way deeper than this parent, this podcast can go, but we as parents no longer have any distress tolerance. Yeah. We cannot bear to watch our kids be in the tiniest amount of distress. And by distress, I mean discomfort. Yeah. I don't mean, of course, if your child is really in distress about something, you know, I'm talking about your regular everyday distress. We have no distress tolerance and we are teaching our kids to not have distress tolerance. Yeah. Most of the time, our kids are having freaking strong reactions. That's not distress, you guys. And as parents, I see parents want to cap it. They want to stop it. They want to they curb it. They want to step on it. Those strong reactions, right? And not only is that invalidating, but it's actually teaching your kid to not have uncomfortable feelings. Listen to that again, because this is so important. It's invalidating. When your kid has a strong reaction and you're like, don't, no, no, let me fix it for you. You are saying, don't have that feeling. Please stop that feeling. I don't like that feeling. I want you to not have that feeling. That is invalidating. Yes. And what you are saying is, oh my God, please don't feel any discomfort. And I'm telling you right now, you guys, we are raising a generation of just wimps, like kids who can't stand any discomfort. It makes me fearful. Have you ever seen that movie, um, Wally? So, I fear that we're heading for this society where we're like in these tiny little bubbles where everything's exactly as we want it, but we don't really relate to people. And 
we get weak, our muscles get weak, we get overweight, you know, it's this whole thing. That movie like shocked me. I was like, yes, that's kind of where we're going. When we make everything perfect, then we have no distress, distress tolerance. And colleges, you guys, colleges are reporting this left and right. Like kids can't bear any discomfort at college age. So yeah, we want to stop this. <laughs> the other thing is that it really does, it slows us down in our busy lives, you know? And I can't tell you the amount of parents who literally freak out at giving up sippy cups because they're like, oh no, no, no. Because I'm gonna have to sit there. I'm gonna have to sit there. They're gonna, they're gonna spill their drink. They're gonna throw it on the floor. They're not gonna be able to handle it. They don't like it when it dribbles down their chin. No, I can't give that up. I hear this on the regular because sippy cups, you should really ditch sippy cups before potty training. So I hear it all the time on the regular. You guys, sippy cups are like fucking 10 years old. For all of humankind, children have drank out of open cups and parents have taught them how to do that. And parents have gotten mildly angry when their kid tosses the glass or when they spill it on the floor. Yeah. But all of a sudden now we can't bear for our child to learn this skill because of the mess and they won't like it. And oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And I, if this were once, I wouldn't bring it up, but I hear this all the time. And there's, there's another large factor in teaching kids to be more independent, more in charge, right? Like, you know, we want these things and sometimes they create meltdowns when we're kind of pushing the issue, right? They cause meltdowns, they cause tantrums, or they big yucky, I hate you, mom, while you're teaching, while the kids are learning. And just parents just don't have any tolerance for that these days. And so check in with yourself. Yeah. And we go back to this thing that, you know, I see it in the media, but your relationship with your kids at this age, you're not their friend. You're the boundary maker. You're the the steady, the the post, the fence post in cement that they can kick against, you know, you're the teacher. That's the most important thing. I know I've mentioned this on previous podcasts, but I have parents literally crumbling because their three-year-old said, I hate you. Whoa, guys, you can't crumble. (laughs) They're just, they're learning. Like that's their power. You can't crumble at that. So real quick, here's another underlying part of this that I bring up, but it's worth mentioning again. I also find that there's this weird thing happening in parenting right now, which is, and I think it's, I think it's because of social media presenting sort of the best facets of our lives. And that is that it's supposed to be smooth sailing, that every day is supposed to be smooth, that there's no reactions. I find that parental expectations are just through the roof. I find myself more and more in my work saying, are you kidding me? That's what you expect from your four-year-old because that's way too much. I find parents saying, well, I told him. I told him once and he's not doing it. Guys, raising a human is messy. There will be tons of throwdowns, tons of mistakes, tons of meltdowns, both yours and theirs. And it's okay. Kids are going to fight with their siblings. They're going to they're gonna talk back. They're going to be assholes. Like I find that there's this weird underlying expectation that like, again, that if I find the magic code, every day is going to go swimmingly. And so I just want to remind you, it's again, that weird thing that like, we know that logically, but yet we have this expectation that it will be different. So let's dive into some like actual strategies to help your child be more brave, take more risks, be more confident, be more in charge of themselves. Yes. 
For all of these things, it always, always starts with parental modeling. Yeah. Are you brave? Are you confident? If you need something, do you walk into a store and you're like, I need X, Y, and Z? Are you confident? I know this is like a real issue with women. And I think a large part of it depends on your age and how you were raised, of course. Oh my God, I read, okay, here's an example. I read this article online, a friend posted on Facebook and she was like, I have to try this because I've never really done this. It was an article, and I think it was like the New York Times about dining out alone as a woman. And I was flabbergasted. I have been dining out by myself since I was about 14 years old. So I lived in the city. I lived near, my first job was in a a restaurant, a sort of cafe restaurant. And I would go in to see my friends. So I would be by myself. And so it was unbelievable to me that in 2020, this is something that women struggle with. And I'm not, I'm not judging it. I'm just, I was flabbergasted. I was like, really? So just to let you know, there are plenty, and, and this may be you, but know that if that's you, you probably have a confidence issue. So you're not modeling confidence. So you want your child to be more confident. It starts with you. I share with Pascal, I don't, oh my God, I don't like confrontation. And I know I seem like this like ballsy extrovert, but I'm not, I'm a big fat baby. And so like when I have to like contest something or reprimand some sort of service or, you know, get on the phone, I, I tell Pascal, okay, okay. Oh, I don't like this. I'm doing something brave today. And, and my adrenaline goes through the roof and uh, my ass is kicked for like an hour after because <laughs> it's just like, but I model for him that I don't like it. I feel uncomfortable and I'm going to do it anyway. So that's some of the things you can model for your kids. Let them know when you're uncomfortable. Let them know of like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to change this flat tire. I don't know how to do it, but I'm going to, I'm going to learn. I can do this. One of the things I love about our new life here in the woods is, you know, as you guys know, I'm fucking learning at the speed of light and I'm doing all these things that are just wildly out of my comfort zone. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do it. And I'm going to, cry and it's going to take me three days. Something that takes somebody else an hour is going to take me three days, but I'm going to do it. And I keep like, I keep letting him know. And so for me, this is so important that I'm modeling for him that I can learn, that I can do it, that I can be nervous about something that I know I've got the smarts. It might just take me longer to connect these particular dots. And so that's a really cool thing. You guys, you want to model for your kid. You want to say like, I feel really uncomfortable going to customer service and returning something, but you know what? Mommy can be brave. I can do this and watch them watch. Let them watch you handle it. Let them watch you be scared and do something. So that's the biggest thing, you know, like, do you take calculated risks when you're I don't know, out in the woods and you want to cross a little brook, do you take calculated risks in crossing it? Or do you just watch your child and and try to direct them? So I feel like modeling is one of the things that's left out of this equation often, and it's the king daddy of behavior. So I put like a simple example with Pascal, yeah? Like, and this is, this is not just brave behavior, but this is good behavior. Uh, ever since he was little, I have always, you know, while we're watching something, I'll say, I'll get up to go to the bathroom. I'll be like, I'm getting up. Can I get you anything? And he'll be like, oh, no, I'm good. Or, oh, I'd like a glass of water or something like that. But now 
it's gone in. That's like something we do. So when he gets up to go to the bathroom or to get something, he's like, mom, can I get you something? And it always, that particular example always brings a little bit of pride to me because I'm like, he's not selfish. Do you know what I mean? And it's something I've done consciously and I'm seeing the payback now. Yeah. So it's just kind of cool. Like, do you say please and thank you? But then do you expect your kid to say please and thank you? There is this really, really great video. This is kind of a side tangent. You can Google it. It's about like how we, it's a funny video, but it's how we talk to kids, but it's another adult. So it's like like two adults, but one adult is talking to the other person like they're a child. And it's, it's funny, but it's also horrific because you see like we don't often speak to our kids like they're human beings. Like it's really bizarre. <laughs> okay. So there are some mental and physical things that can help with all of these things and help them along the way, you know? Independence, being in charge of yourself, this is autonomy. So that's the word for it. And these all help in being more confident and taking more risks in being brave. So I think that's a good way to think about it. So don't think about how can I make my kid more brave? How can I, I think you have to put independence, being in charge of themselves and autonomy first. How can I build their autonomy? That's one of the reasons potty training is so freaking huge. It's such a big milestone, right? They're now in charge of their bodily functions, yeah? That's why I'm so opposed to late potty training. It's so disrespectful to the child when they can't even be in charge of their own bodies, right? Like they need somebody to come and change them at four years old. That's that's like, it's not, I mean, of course, if there's some sort of special situation going on, I'm not judging you, but it's, I just am opposed to the societal norm of later and later potty training because it's so key to autonomy. So one thing you can definitely do that I see missing from all the time in being like more in charge of themselves, being more independent is let your child speak for themselves. And this can take some of that stretching. This can take some of that taffy pulling. This can take some of that like waiting it out. This is so key. As soon as they're able to form sentences, let them speak for themselves in restaurants. Restaurants are key. Like you can even say, well, tell the tell the waitress what you would like. I know your child decides to be like super shy. You could say, oh, well, you're not going to get any food if you don't, you know, if you don't tell her. And that can be one of those places where it's like, awkward and yucky, but you can hold out when they want something like say it's time for birthdays or Christmas or any holiday that they're going to receive a gift or they're at somebody's house and they're like, mommy, I want to, I'm thirsty. Have them ask the person in charge, have them ask whose house you're in or who's going to give the gift. Don't you do it for them? Yeah. So this just builds up confidence. It's, it's, I can do this. Yeah. If your child's a little bit older, do not rescue them. This is huge. This is so big that some schools actually have rescue policies. Yeah, you can't come back. So if your child forgets their lunch, if they forget their mittens, if they forget their coat, you're not allowed to come back and bring it because what's happening, this is a societal problem, is kids are forgetting things. They're not in charge of themselves. Then what happens is a parent comes and drops it off. Well, the kid never learned. So what all they learned was, oh, it's not a big deal. My mom will bring it. Like, who cares? They're forgetting their homework. They're forgetting their lunch. So yeah, you have to not rescue them. And again, this can be tough. Like if they forget something, they have to live with the consequence. The kid who forgets their mittens in New England winter at recess, if you don't bring them their mittens, 
Don't worry about it. You will never have to worry about them forgetting their mittens again. If they have to go out for recess in the cold without their mittens or stay inside because the teacher won't let them out without their mittens, guess what? They're never going to forget their mittens again. But if you show up for school with their mittens, well, guess what? They're always going to forget their mittens because you rescued them. So that's huge. Don't rescue them. Next thing, stop saying, be careful. I go over this in my book. I've talked about this a lot on the podcast. I talk about it on social media, but we have to keep saying it because it's so prevalent. Go to that list in my book. It's from backwoodsmama.com. It's things to say instead of be careful. It's strategies for helping your child be more autonomous. You know, where's your foot going to go next? How are you going to handle that wet rock? There are things you can say besides be careful. Be careful just makes a kid stop and jolt and become more risk adverse. So that's key. Stop saying be careful. <laughs> yeah. Next thing, look and really see the kid you have, okay? And do not lean into their weakness. So I'll use Pascal as, as an example. Pascal was, for most of his childhood, a very nervous learner, very, very nervous. He would erase things till the paper was gone. Yeah, he could not tolerate mistakes. He was super, super nervous learner. So even when he was in kindergarten in school, his teacher, his teacher was like, he's a nervous learner. And I was like, okay. So I thought about all the things I was like, okay, what makes a kid a nervous learner? How can I do this? And I was like, well, he needs to see that mistakes are part, part of life. Okay. He can see people making mistakes. Adults rarely make huge mistakes, right? In life. So that's when I started taking him ice skating and skiing because I wanted him to see adults literally fall on their ass. And it worked brilliantly um, because he was like dying. He was like, wow, adults really, really, they fall. One of the more brilliant things I did quite, I didn't do it to help him. I did it because I didn't feel like wasting any more fucking time. He was taking drum lessons. He started drums when he was six and we would go to the music store and he would take drum lessons. Well, you get sick as a mom. I, I get sick as a mom of waiting for my kid in these various classes and lessons. So I was like, well, screw it. I've always wanted to learn guitar. So I took guitar while he was taking drums. Well, I don't know if you know guitar, but the F chord's a son of a bitch in guitar. And so I could not get the F chord. I think it was the F chord. Maybe it was the C chord. I play the ukulele now, so it's different. It wasn't too hard. I just didn't have time to practice as a mom. So I was like, like, give me something easy that I can play around the campfire. But I think it was the F chord. But anyway, it became this really sweet code for this is really fucking hard between me and him. I would cry. He saw me crying over the F chord. And then like anytime something got hard, we would be like, oh, that's an F chord. And it was so great because he got to see me as a beginner and he got to see that adults, it doesn't all come effortless to us and that things make us cry and things are hard and we can work through them. And so again, I've talked about this a lot, like with my obstacle course training, I like him to see me doing hard things because now we have a family culture of I can do hard things. So don't lean into their weakness. We have a bad habit today of being like, oh, he's a nervous learner, so I have to coddle him. No, but get it head on. How do I help him with this weakness? How do I help this weakness go stronger? Don't let a weakness get weaker because then you weaken your child's whole psyche. The next thing is, of course, with toddlers, make sure your child's dressing them as soon as humanly possible. Like work on that shit the minute they're mobile. And it can be like, here, you put on one sock, I'll put on the other sock. Or here, put your head in, I'll do the arms. It really should be as soon as humanly possible. 
It just makes them feel good when they can do for themselves. Which brings us to, you know this, you know my feelings on this. Chores, 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 chores. Your kid should be doing so many chores. Listen, by the time a kid is four or five, they should be able to make their own sandwiches. They should be able to butter their own toast, make their own toast, work the toaster. They should even be able to scramble their own eggs, of course, with supervision with you in the kitchen. They should be able to do these things, yeah? So you, as a parent, should not be responsible. It is wonderful if you want a sit-down meal together and you want to do all the work, but you should be doing that for one meal. That should not be your every meal. Your child should be helping get their own food. They should be able to pour things. You know, even if it's a smaller container in the fridge, they should be able to pour their own drinks. So really work on these things, you guys. Stop doing all the work. One of the biggest complaints about parenting today is how we're all exhausted. Well, that's our fault sometimes, you guys. Stop doing all the work. Yes, I know, I know, I know. It takes more time. It takes more mess. It's hard. It's hard to teach and it's hard for them to learn, but you can't complain. I think I mentioned this. I have a friend who who just was like, I just can't figure it out. I, I'm so exhausted all the time. And I was like, well, you know, break down her day. And it turns out she does everything. Her nine-year-old was not doing any chores. And she was like, I can't. He's not going to do a good job. And I was like, well, dude, you don't get to complain and then simultaneously not teach your kid. Like, it, there's not going to be a, that magical day when at 12, he's suddenly like, oh, I know how to do my own laundry. Like, you got to teach this shit. Well, she dove right into it because she's a doer. And she was like, holy shit, I cannot believe what my kid is capable of doing and how much work I've been doing for him. Yeah. And when it comes to do, doing chores, listen, don't be broad. Don't say, go clean your room. That's too much for your average, like, four or five-year-old or even three-year-old should be doing chores. Give very specific tasks, yeah? And the more complicated it is, the more they love it. I'm going to give you a huge tip. Most kids adore cleaning the toilet. So put them on that. (laughs) And is it going to be to your liking? Probably not, but suck it up, buttercup. You're teaching. Go clean it again at midnight if if that's your jam. But, But really... Give them specific chores. They love it. And it helps them feel so much more confident and in charge. Yeah. Whiteboards. I go over this all the time. Whiteboards for transitions. Make lists so your kids can check them off so they know what's coming next. So they can, as they get older, manage their own time. It goes back to this thing that I've talked about, right? That there's not a magical age that all of a sudden they wake up and they go, oh, ding, I know how to cook. Know how to clean. <laughs> yeah. Start them young with packing their own backpacks, packing their own snacks. Yeah. Allow for mistakes. If they forget something, it goes back to that no rescue, right? I go through this all the time with Pascal. Oh, you forgot water. You know, like, no, if it's something, sometimes you get in a jam, right? Like, okay, like yesterday, for example, I was pissed because he didn't pack water, but we went to look at a truck and we ended up buying it. And so we were at the dealership for like hours, right? Like hours. And I was like, all right, I'll buy you a water in that case. I hate buying water. It's my big thing. I hate buying bottled water. But we got screwed, right? Because I didn't anticipate being out of the house for six hours and he didn't anticipate it. But usually I'm like, suck it up. You got to be thirsty because because you made a mistake. If we keep rescuing them, it goes back to that thing. If we keep rescuing them, then they're never going to learn. Yeah. The last thing is go play. You guys go play. Let your kid go play. It's okay for you to even say, I'm not your friend. I'm your mom. Go play. 
Go play by yourself. Go play with your brother. Go play with your friends, whatever your situation allows for. Yeah. We are the first generation. This is well-documented and it's damaging. We are the first generation to play with our kids, to be our kids' actual playmates. And now I get it. There was quarantine and that was a whole different freaking subset of living. (laughs) But in general, we shouldn't really be our children's playmates. The problem is, is that we're always bending to them. So if you're, it's just near impossible to, you're not a peer. That's how kids learn. And even if you have an only child, which I do, you got to go play because you can't entertain your child all day long. You can't. You can't be in that role. And you're also, you're going to allow for things like another kid would be like, that's not fair. You know, you're going to be like, oh, whatever. (laughs) So I know that all of these strategies are things that I preach on the regular. I know, but this is under a different lens, right? Because I love when parents say this kind of thing. They go, how can I make him? be more in charge of himself, but then they don't actually put the child in charge of anything. And it goes back to that like sippy cup scenario. It's like, how can I make him do more on his own? But oh, no, 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 no. He can't make a mess or he can't do a shitty job of it. Or I don't have time to teach him that. Yeah. I hear parents say, you know, I want him to be more confident, but you gasp and you yell, be careful at every step. Yeah. You don't make a child, you don't make in quotes, a child have these skills. You don't just put them into them. Yeah. You help them grow into them. And mostly this takes time. This takes time in the moment and it takes time overall. It takes discomfort and it takes a little bit of that distress tolerance. It takes that discomfort for you and discomfort for your kids. It's that growth. It's that taffy pulling. Yeah. And I know because I have living proof, yeah? Pascal was shy. He was so risk adverse. It drove me crazy because I'm a, I'm a risk taker, yeah? I had to be up his ass all the time for chores, for speaking up for himself, to practice his work, his spelling, his drums uh, all the time. Pascal, 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 up his ass all the time. But I have to tell you guys, it comes together at some point. Okay, so now he's 14. Listen, he's an expert snowboarder. He does flips and jumps. I I still can't fathom this. I look at videos and I'm like, I cannot believe this is the same kid who at nine wouldn't do anything risk adverse. He is a hunter. He has confidence with firearms, with uh, archery. It's crazy. He does all his own stuff. He makes his own list now and he does all his own, you know, schoolwork, practice his instrument, practice his bow, his archery. He does all of this on his own. But it wasn't overnight. He's 14, you guys. It wasn't overnight. This just sort of coalesced in the last year or so. But I want you to know that because I feel like some parents expect this immediate gratification, like it's going to happen really quick. I just kept sowing those seeds, sowing those seeds, sowing those seeds. Some of those plants did not grow till he was 12. (laughs) But it happens. And what you want is you want this Now he's 14. I want him to be capable. This is the age where he has to be capable. He's recently started to make phone calls for himself to ask, you know, to call these places that he needs to figure out information or to ask somebody direct. And it's really funny because Gen Z hates to be on the phone. Like he literally is like, so uncomfortable. And I'm like, suck it, man. You got to do it. I'm having him call companies because we're in a new place. We have to have all new services, you know? So I'm having him make those phone calls and I can see his discomfort. I'm like, dude, you can do hard things. So don't have the expectation that it's one and done. You're not going to once and done. You're not going to like teach this and it's just going to flow. It's absolutely sowing the seeds for a capable adult. 
And the interesting thing is I look around at some of his friends and I'm like, holy shit, these guys are so dependent. Like, when does that growth happen? So I think you want it. I think you want it when the kids become teenagers because now they're leading into functional adults. So anyway, that's my shtick for today. As always, I appreciate your support here on Patreon. I love all the feedback, questions, whatever, bring it. I love it. I love it. I love it. And I hope you guys have an awesome day. And as always, rock on. All right. I'm going to sign off for today. You can always go to jamieglowacki.com for the super cool latest updates, including the launch of my new book, yummy new book presale treats, when we release new episodes, and how to work with me directly. And of course, if you need any potty training help, there's a handy link there that will take you to all my potty training resources, including all my courses. That's the Oh Crap Potty Training online course, my pooping solutions course, and my night training supplement. And if you need additional help, how to book with a certified Oh Crap consultant. That's all at jamieglowacki.com. Have a beautiful day and rock on.